You know, in a in a court of law, when you're when you're in court, there's a process that happens, and you know, evidence is presented, and then a jury makes a choice, and then there's a verdict. But what the Lord wanted me to let y'all know is, aren't we glad? And I want to sing that. Uh, from the victory victory. We're viewing our fight from the victory. Because the Lord wanted me to say, like, whatever we're going through, whatever we're, we're facing, the cool thing about the kingdom of God is we get the verdict before we even get any evidence. So there's things that are going on in my life yesterday, today, that don't line up. The evidence doesn't line up. But that's okay because I know God's goodness in, by heart, right? So when you know God's goodness by heart, you don't need to know his goodness by sight. You don't need to see what's, what, your sta- what circumstances you're facing. You don't need to see any evidence of God's goodness because you know it by heart and you know the verdict and you know that that's what Jesus promised. So that's what that means. So I want to sing that again because we can view every single fight that we're facing, every single fight that we're facing, we can view it from a victory stance because the verdict has already been given.
God, I thank you so much, God, that no matter what the fight we're facing tonight, no matter what that fight is, God, we can view that fight from a victory standpoint, because your promise is true no matter what we see with our own eyes. Your promise is true no matter what we're going through, because if we're going through it, God, I thank you so much that you're going to use it. You have a purpose and a plan for it. God, I thank you for everyone that's here this evening. God, I thank you. Um, God, I pray that you would open up our hearts to receive the word that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight, about a nation who in the past was known for their prosperity. This nation was a nation that everyone looked to for hope. This nation, at the core of its heart, at the core heart of this nation, they really had a desire to be a nation under God, to, to have a heart to serve God. They had a desire to follow him. The majority of the leaders that led this nation in the past, they actually referred to themselves as followers of God. And at some point, this nation took a turn for the worse. Then there became leaders who just had their own interests in mind. The current leader is the, considered one of the most evil leaders of this nation. They're now, this nation is known for the chaos. Now this nation is known for destruction. Now, this, this nation is known for immorality. Now, this nation is not able to be trusted. Nobody trusts this nation. Before, this nation was one of the most influential nations. There were one of the most powerful nations, and now nobody trusts this nation. There's a split between the northern part and the southern part of this nation. The nation I'm talking about is the nation of Israel in about 874 B.C. It's not the United States. So everyone turn to your Bibles in 1 Kings chapter 17. I want to dive into a portion of Scripture that, as you can tell, is very relevant to what we're living in right now. And I think you're going to find that this portion of Scripture is very relevant to the lives that we're living right now. The king, the leader, the current leader of this nation at this time is King Ahab. King Ahab was married to a woman named Jezebel. And she introduced King Ahab to worshiping this false god, this false god of Baal. Everyone say Baal. So this god named Baal was considered to be the god of rain and fertility. 
This, this false god that they would worship was, was designed to basically make them believe that as they worshiped him, their things would flourish and the things that they, they planted would grow and they would, they would get rain that would cover the earth and they, they worshiped him to receive that. And then I also want to introduce you to our main character of the evening and his name is Elijah. Now, Elijah, he had a very personal relationship with God. He had a very close relationship with God. And he wasn't worried about telling people exactly what they needed to hear. He didn't want to comfort people. He didn't want to just tell people what they wanted to hear, but he told them what they needed to hear because he had such a close relationship with God. Anything that disrupted their relationship with God, including worshiping false gods, Elijah was going to confront them about it. And so that's exactly what he did. It's fair to say th things were a little chaotic right now when this chapter begins in 1 Kings chapter 17. Um, I'm going to read, starting in verse 1, it says, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishba in Gilead. And I want to stop right there because I think there's a lot of things when we're reading the Bible we can just kind of overlook and we can kind of skim through. But I want to pay close attention to this, this little portion, these few words here, because Elijah is from Tishba. Everyone say Tishba. All right, Tishba, um, which is not a popular town in the Bible. It's only mentioned a few times. In fact, nobody knows exactly where Tishba is there's no remains there there's actually just speculation when they put it on the map there's just speculation on where it's where it actually is to even put it there so there's this guy Elijah who comes from a place that's hardly heard of and he does some pretty incredible things for God that we're going to read over the next couple weeks the cool things that he did for God but the Lord wanted me to tell you today that just from this portion of scripture that it doesn't matter where you came from it doesn't matter what's been done to you. It doesn't matter who your mom is. It doesn't matter who your dad is. It doesn't matter what you've been through, but God has some incredible plans for you. God's going to use you no matter where you came from. There's no prerequisites to God using you for big things. You know, you may have come from a poor family, and you think that's just the way things are, but that's not the case. God has big plans for you. God has a purpose for you regardless of where you came from. Regardless of the family that you came from, God has a plan and a purpose for you. The only prerequisite for God using you, the only prerequisite for you discovering your purpose and pursuing that purpose is movement. It's movement. It doesn't matter where you came from. It only matters where you're going. What direction are you going? If you're constantly heading towards him, that's all that matters. And sometimes it's baby steps. Sometimes you might be here tonight and it's like, I'm just trying to figure out if I even believe in God. You might be thinking, what does that look like to, to walk towards him? Sometimes it's baby steps and that's okay because you're still going in the same direction. Sometimes you might feel like you're taking big, big strides in your relationship with God and that's okay too. But it's movement. It's movement that matters when you're pursuing your purpose, not where you've come from. Because Elijah, it didn't matter what city he came from. This was an unknown city that nobody heard anything about. And this is where he came from. Back to verse 1. Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishba in Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. 
So Elijah goes to King Ahab, and he engages in a confrontation right off the bat in verse 1. Elijah engages in a confrontation. See, the Bible is filled up with confront. I mean, we can look throughout Jesus' life, and I mean, that's all he did was confront people's systems that were trying to get in the way of, of what he was doing, of, of people following God, people abusing his house, people uh, robbing people, people not treating widows and poor with compassion. Jesus confronted those systems, and that's exactly what Elijah does here. He goes to the king of Israel because they're worshiping this false god, and he engages in this confrontation. And Elijah predicted that there would be no dew or no rain. Now, when he predicts this, we read this, and it's like, okay, he predicted no dew or no rain. But the reality is, is what Elijah was predicting was a crash in the economy. He was predicting... People would lose what they've had. People would lose their livelihood. I don't know if you remember, a few, last January, just a few months after Hurricane Harvey hit, Texas was faced with a really big drought. And there were farmers that were actually concerned with the crops that they had. There, were, there was a big fear that started to, to overcome because we had just had this big hurricane, and not, not four or five months later, there's this big drought all over Texas. And and. You know, those people in, in this society, there were more people than that that were relying on, I mean, their livelihood came from rain, right? So, so he's predicting that basically their economy is going to fall apart. Their livelihood's going to fall apart because just about everybody was relying on that for their provision. So this was bad news for King Ahab and the economy of Israel. But remember what Baal and his crazy wife worshipped the god of you remember the god of rain and fertility so somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose in this in this battle here and i think that's just the way god works it's just the way god would work to set him up to confront him with stopping rain because there's no question about it either god is real or the god of baal is real one or the other it couldn't be both so i think god strategically set it up that way so Elijah sets up this showdown, and then verse 2, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook that I have directed, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. So as soon as Elijah engages in this confrontation, you know, if it were me, I would be like, I want to see this. I want to see this showdown. I want to see, you know, like God just, just let it happen right now so that they can believe, they can believe in God, and we can go on and move on in our merry way. But that's not what happens. God tells him, get out of town. You started this fight, now run, basically. And I would be like, hold on a second, God, I'm just getting started with this confrontation. I want to see this whole thing play out. But what does Elijah do? He obeys God. He goes to the Kareth Ravine. And by the way, Kareth means to cut down. And I think that's what God's doing. He's kind of pruning Elijah as he's preparing him. And just like God said, ravens, they began to feed him. And listen, when you're obedient to God, he's going to provide everything that you need. 
If you're following his plan, if you're following his purpose, if you're headed in that direction, again, if it's baby steps, if it's long strides, if you're obedient to God, he will provide everything that you need. I'm, give, I'm a living example of God providing for me. When you, when you go somewhere that God wants you to go, even if it doesn't make sense, if you know that God wants you to go, even if it doesn't make sense. If you know you need to be somewhere and it doesn't make sense and everybody else is against you, but you know this is where God wants you to be, God will provide. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen it in my own life. Here Elijah is being fed by ravens. So in that provision God's providing for us, there's going to be times where it looks different than we think. Because sometimes we get it in our minds, this is the way the provision's going to look and God's going to do this. And here Elijah is being fed by ravens. See, we have to be willing to accept the provision as it comes. Whatever package God decides to deliver it, we have to be willing to accept it. Because so many times we walk right by the very thing that God sent to provide for us because it doesn't look the way that we want it to. Because it's not in a package that we think that it should be in our own minds. So we walk by it every single day. A lot of prayers that we're praying, we feel are not being answered. But the truth is the answer to our prayer could be sitting right in front of us. See, maybe Elijah was expected to be fed by a drone, like by Amazon Fresh and like dropping nice salads right for him and all this stuff, whatever. But it wasn't. It was ravens. And the meat was probably, it was probably chewed up food from the birds, and they probably spit it out on the ground, and he ate it. It was still provision. God was still providing. Either way, God provided for him. You're praying for God to teach you patience, and you walk right by your husband every single day. And you're thinking your prayers aren't getting answered. Turn to the person next to you and say, I know it's a raven. Say, I know it's a raven. But I'm going to eat anyway. See, not only is God providing for Elijah, but he's also protecting him. He's also protecting him because every day that goes by and there's no rain, and people are starting to lose farms, uh, King Ahab and Jezebel, I'm sure, are getting furious right now. They're probably looking for him because they want to kill him. And Elijah doesn't know that God's protecting him. And I'm sure that they're looking for him. And some of the situations that we're in, that we're praying for God to get us out of, is actually God's protection on our lives. Is actually God protecting us from something that could be far worse. Sometimes we get to see what that protection is, and sometimes we won't. Sometimes God could be protecting us from something, having us in a specific place, and we don't even realize it. Sometimes I remember there would be times where my kids would want to go somewhere, and we'd like, no. And then, like, we'd find out something happened. There was a situation where they wanted to go. Sometimes they would get to see those real-life situations, and sometimes they wouldn't. Sometimes it's not until years later where we're like, oh, wow, good thing you didn't answer that prayer, God. And that's how we are. We look back and we're like, thank you that you didn't answer the prayer the way I wanted it to. Because the reality is, is it's easier to look back on a situation and say, oh, I see what you were doing there, God. But when we're in the middle of the situation, it's so hard for us to look at and say, oh, I know what you're doing, God. This is okay. Like, you're not answering my prayer, but I trust that you're protecting me. It's hard to do that. It's easy for us to look back, but it's hard for us to do it when we're in the middle of the situation. Okay, back to the scripture. Verse 7. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land, obviously. 
There the word of the Lord came to Elijah, go at once to Zarephath in the, re- in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow to supply you with food. So just now when Elijah expects things to start getting better, the brook that he's drinking from starts to dry up. So God tells him to go to Zarephath. A couple of things about Zarephath is it's a very evil place, for one. It's, it's right between Sire and in Tidon, which in those places have bad reputation for worshiping a lot of these false gods where like kind of like the God that Jezebel worships. Matter of fact, that's near the place where Jezebel grew up and God's sending Elijah there to be taken care of by a widow. So God tells him, you're going to be taken care of. And in this culture, we all know widows are the ones that we're supposed to be taking care of, right? Widows and the poor are the ones that we're supposed to take care of. But instead, God tells Elijah that he's going to be taken care of by a widow. So this just throws another wrench in the story. I would be, like, starting to complain. I'm like, God, can you, like, find somebody rich to take care of me maybe? Can you find somebody that isn't somebody that I'm supposed to be taking care of? Can we, you maybe get like a king or something to take care of me? Like you can do whatever you want, God, and you're choosing a widow to take care of me, but Elijah doesn't complain because he's holier than me. Remember, God is, the, is not only providing for him, but he's protecting him as well. And not only is he protecting him, but he's developing him. And as we encounter, we go through those stages, sometimes all at once, sometimes Sometimes just a couple, but when we're hitting specific circumstances, it could be God protecting us, it can be God providing for us, but it can also be God developing us, developing a character in us, developing whatever it is that he sees need fit for us to complete the purpose that he has for us. So God's developing him. We see God had a big plan for him, and we're going to be able to see that um, here in the future, maybe next week, but um, our life was given to us for a reason And God has a big plan for each and every one of you. God has a big plan for each and every one of you. There is a plan and a purpose that God has for you. And sometimes you get in these modes where you get so, I mean, it's almost like you just feel like you're going through the motions, you know. It's like we talked a a couple months ago about the rhythm of life. And it's like you get up, you go to work, you come home, you take care of the kids, you go to bed. You get up, and it's like we create this rhythm with our life, and it's just the same thing over and over, and we lose sight of the fact that God has a purpose and a plan for us. God designed us to fulfill a purpose that he has for us, and we lose sight of that sometimes because maybe what we're going through is not about provision or protection, but maybe it's development. And sometimes has anybody ever wanted to say, okay, God, enough with the lessons, like, I'm learning. Can, can I just go on recess now? Can I take a, like a six-month recess? I don't need to learn any more lessons. I don't need you to teach me anything anymore. Just give me a break. Has anyone ever wanted to say, give me a break, God? Yeah, I bet that's how Elijah felt too. But what does he do? He obeys. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to a town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and he asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, uh, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I do not have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar 
and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did just as Elijah told her. So there was food for every day for there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. So here we see God providing for him again, but it's in like this really strange way. The drought has gotten so bad that this woman and her son are just like, we're going to go home and eat our last meal and we're going to probably die because our livelihood's done. But not only did God provide for Elijah, he also provided for the woman who provided for him. Sometimes people are in your life for a reason and sometimes that reason is for them to receive provision as well. Sometimes people are in your life and you're actually there to bless them and you think that they're you're actually there to bless them, and you think that they're in your life to bless you. But in reality, God flips the switch just like he did with Elijah. See, this woman had to do something for the food to come. Sometimes the answer to our prayer is on the other side of our movement. Sometimes the answer that of our prayer is on the other side of our movement. Sometimes we get so caught up in just praying prayers and hoping that God does a miracle and hoping that God moves and hoping that God does something when all he's doing is waiting for us to take a step. He's just waiting for us to take a step. The other side of our, of our movement could be the answer to our prayers. See, if that woman wouldn't have started baking that bread, she wouldn't have, able to, she wouldn't have been able to see that flour not run out or that oil not run out. She had to start baking bread. And then when things seem to be getting better, verse 17 comes. Sometime later... The son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? So we don't know how long Elijah was in this house. We don't know what the time frame is according to the scripture. But I would imagine, I mean, it says that every day God provided for them. So it had to have been more than one day. I'm sure a relationship was developed and I'm sure he cared for this boy and here she's blaming him for dying, and, and the Bible isn't clear how long he was living there, but he cares for him. And, and this widow's son dies, and she immediately blames Elijah. Like, she doesn't know what else to do, so she blames Elijah. Can't we relate? When we find ourselves in a bad situation, sometimes it's easy to blame the people that are closest to us, even if we know, ah, it's probably unlikely that this happened. It's probably unlikely that if God provided for her, he wouldn't have sent Elijah there to remind her of her sin and kill her son. But it's so easy. We take that, we, we, we almost use it as a defense and just find someone to blame, hoping it'll make us feel better, right? Verse 19, Elijah doesn't get defensive. He doesn't get offended, but he says, give me your son. He took him from her arms. He carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? 
Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. And it's in this moment that we see Elijah has learned something about God. We see over the last 16 verses, we see God taught Elijah something. And it's the same thing that I want you to understand tonight. Everyone stand up. See, the one thing that Elijah learned about God is that God doesn't take a day off. And that's what I believe God wants us to know is God doesn't take a day off. The God who created the universe, the God who spins the solar system, the God who, who, who created everything cares about you. He cares about you. He cares about even the smallest details. And the other thing is we can trust him because the fact that Elijah asked for God to give life back to that boy meant that God trust him. Why? Because the reality is the Bible was still in production at that time. There was no Bible that Elijah had to look and say, oh man, look at all these miracles that Jesus did. There's no record of God ever bringing anybody back to life at this point. But Elijah knew if God could send the ravens to feed me, if God can send a widow, if God could keep flour in a jar, if God could keep oil in a jar, why wouldn't God bring this boy back to life? Because I'm praying and asking God for you to do that. He had that trust. And God was showing his faithfulness. Verse 22 says, The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him. And he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. See, there's one overarching theme that's hidden in this guy's name. See, Elijah, if you break it down, the first part of it is El, which means God. Then the, the ending part of it is Jah. Everyone say Jah. Yeah. Which is an abbreviation for God's name, Jehovah. And in the middle of it is I. So literally, if you break this, this name down and you translate it, it means the Lord is God. Here's the thing. I don't know what 2019 is going to bring. I don't know what y'all are going to face this year. I don't know what situations you're going to go through. But I do know one thing, Elijah, the Lord is God. Everyone say, Elijah, Elijah. the Lord is God. In every situation, in every circumstance, the one thing that you can count on is the Lord is God. When you feel like you're all alone, when you feel like you're smiling and then you get in bed and, and your thoughts are going crazy and you have fear, Elijah when you start to get anxious, Elijah, before I go, I want you to think about, I want you to close your eyes, everyone close your eyes, and I want you to answer a couple of questions within yourself. Because you're going to walk out of here and you're faced with real life. You're faced with the circumstances that you came in here facing. And when you face them, I want you to be able to answer a couple good questions. And the first question is, why am I here? I want you to think about that for a moment. Why am I here? 
And when I say here, that could mean anything for you. What is your here? Physically, why are you here? Why are you in Austin, Texas? Why are you, in, why are you here at 2020? That could be emotionally. How did you end up here emotionally? Why are you here financially? Why are you here spiritually? And the other question that I want you to ask yourself and I want you to answer is, what's the lesson that God's trying to teach you? What's the lesson with every individual circumstance, with every individual situation that you're facing, what's the lesson that he's trying to teach you? Because you can't waste it. You can't waste, we talked about it last week, you can't waste the pain. You can't waste the frustration. You can't waste the hurt. You can't waste the anger. You can't waste the fear. You can't waste the anxiety. Don't waste it. But instead, what can you learn from it? What's the lesson that God's trying to teach you in it all? And with everyone's eyes closed still, I'm going to pray a prayer over you that comes out of uh, Ephesians chapter 3. And Paul prays this for the Ephesian church. And it says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, and high, and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled, filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. That's the baseline, guys. Whatever you can ask or imagine, that's just the starting point for what God can do. According to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You have to ask and answer those two questions. Because if you don't know why you're here, and if you can't grasp a lesson, you're going to have a lot of wasted pain. You're going to have a lot of wasted frustration. It's going to be, you're going to feel like you're wasting your life. But if you have a purpose, and you're able to pull a lesson from every situation and every feeling, then you're making movement. You're moving forward. You're moving towards God, even if it's a baby step. And I'm declaring that you're gonna, each and every one of you are going to move towards God. Starting tonight. In Jesus' name. God, I thank you so much for this night. God, I thank you for the word that you, that you brought forth, Lord God. And I just pray that that, that would seek, sink deep in our hearts, Lord God. That we would be able to pull a lesson that you're trying to teach us, Lord God. From, from whatever situation that we're going through. God, that we would be able to learn from it. And we would be able to start moving towards you. 
God, even in those days when we feel like we don't even believe in you, even in those days when we doubt you even exist, draw us closer. Teach us something. Don't waste our pain. In Jesus' name.